suffering. Why does it exist? Have you ever thought about that question? I think in all of us, there is a wondering for why pain, death, sorrow, grief, depression, anxiety, all these sorts of sufferings that we see in the world, why does it exist? What is it for? Even if you're not a Christian, I believe you've asked this question. What is life about? If this is it, what is there to get me through this? But as a Christian, I would say that your approach to suffering matters. In this episode, we're going to talk about what a biblical worldview on suffering looks like. You see, whether or not you realize it, your worldview, how you view the world, the lenses by which you view the world, will impact what you believe on suffering. Why it exists, what purpose does it serve, if it even serves a purpose, and will it end? Just for example, if you have a worldview of atheism in which you say there's no God, therefore there's no objective meaning or truth, therefore there's no objective purpose to suffering, then your, your suffering is simply a product of living in a world. That's it. You die and that's it. It's a very dismal view of human nature. It's a very dismal view of why we're here. And it has a very dismal outlook on death and what is the end. Another example, Buddhism. Buddhism says that the goal of life is to escape suffering. And so your whole goal should be to detach yourself from things in this world that will cause suffering because everything causes suffering. And so detaching yourself is the goal of life. So suffering is simply inevitable in this world. And in a sense, you can never escape it because you're in a body that is full of suffering within and without view suffering. And I'm going to argue in this episode that the Christian worldview is the most robust and the most lasting hope for suffering. Christianity doesn't minimize suffering, but it doesn't say it is meaningless either. So what does Christianity have to say about suffering? Well, we're going to look in this episode at what I'm going to call the four C's of a biblical worldview. And this is the grand story of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. What is the grand story that God is writing? Because if God created the world, that means he has a purpose and an end for that world. But we see, of course, that something has gone wrong with the world. But yet the Christian hope is that there is a redeemer, not only to redeem us from our personal sin before a holy God, which we all have committed and fallen into, but he's redeeming all creation. And this is what the new heavens and the new earth will be. So the four C's of creation, curse, cross, and coming give us a robust worldview through which we should view our suffering. Christianity just isn't about being forgiven of your sins. It is that. That is the pinnacle of Christianity is being made right before a holy God. But it is also a story of God redeeming all of creation unto himself through Christ. So, what does the Bible have to say about suffering? Well, I believe that in the biblical worldview, there's a lot of hope. So let's get into it. This is episode two of Through the Valley with your host, Cole, a biblical worldview for suffering souls. Hi, 
great. Welcome back. As always, I want to start our time together in God's Word. There's no other place to go, especially on this topic of why suffering exists. So our passage for today comes out of the 14th chapter of John, and this is the section of Scripture where Jesus is speaking to his disciples really for the last time. He's just shared a meal with them. He just washed their feet. He's about to go to the cross. It's the night before, and he begins telling them all these things to take heart because he's with them. He's going to prepare a place for them. They believe in God. They believe in him also. And he says to them that where I'm going, you may be also, but you can't come right now. And Thomas, I love Thomas, he asked Jesus the question, well, Jesus, how are we to know where you are going? We don't know the way. And in verse 6 of chapter 14, Jesus makes this profound statement. He says, Thomas, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I love that statement. Jesus later goes on to say that if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. He's making a claim that he is God in the flesh. He has come. And this is great hope for us that God is Emmanuel. Jesus has come. He has dwelt in our humanity. The fact that Jesus says this is showing that all history is pointing to him, that this is the fullness of time has come, that Jesus has come, he did the work on the cross, he rose again to redeem us initially, but now he's sitting at the right hand of the Father, we're awaiting his return. When I first began to read the Bible seriously as a Christian, I started to notice that there was a bigger plan going on. You know, growing, growing up in the church, I always heard, you know, Jesus died to forgive you of your sins. You may have new life. And that is great. That is the beginning of the gospel is that we're justified before a holy God. But it's so much more than that. As we read in Romans 8, that all creation is groaning and longing for this redemption. That when we look around at the world, we see that it is inherently broken. The Christian worldview has so much to say about this. And if Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and if all things point to him, then that alone should change everything through which we should view the world. In fact, all of my life, every single domain of it, my work, my family, my relationships, the reason I exist, even my suffering has to fall under the lordship of Jesus. Why? Because he is the way, the truth, and the life. Everything centers around him. I believe many Christians are out there and they're left wondering, how does my suffering even relate to my faith? This is one of the biggest questions I began to have when I experienced depression and anxiety in my first year, 2014. What does the cross have to do with my suffering? Right? Always heard growing up, I'm forgiven of my sins. I have new life. I have a relationship with God now. But that seemed to be so separate from my experience with suffering. Okay, Jesus, you forgave me, but I'm depressed out of my mind. What does that have to do with my salvation? And it wasn't until I started reading the scriptures for myself like fully that I began to see that there's a much bigger story here. And that's what I'm going to call the four C's. So we're going to start there. What is this story that the Bible presents us with? And how does our faith integrate suffering into a proper worldview that I believe gives us great hope for the future, that I believe 
that it is going to end once and for all, finally for all eternity, that if you are in Christ, there will be a day of ultimate and eternal redemption. But right now as we live between the already and not yet of God's kingdom, we are still in a body. We are still in a fallen world. Though we have the Spirit, we still live in a broken world, and we're awaiting the blessed return of Jesus, our Savior. So let's start. What is the first C of the biblical worldview, and how does this relate to your experience with suffering? Well, the first C is creation. If you go all the way back to Genesis, you see this, that God created the entire world, everything in it. He created it within six days, and he says, it is good, it is good, it is good. Then when he gets to man, he makes mankind in his own image. Male and female, he creates them. And what does he say? Well, he says in Genesis that it is very good. And we we know from Genesis that man was created to be in a special relationship with God. That in the Garden of Eden, God, the scripture says, walked among the garden. Can you imagine that? God walking, and of course that might be figurative there, but God is dwelling with his people in perfect harmony with Adam and Eve. We can't picture this kind of world right now, right? A world where there is no disease, no sin, sickness, and death. In fact, that's all we know is that. It's what we are born into. It's what we go through and experience. It's what we see in the world. We can't imagine this perfect union between God and man. And not only this, but Genesis says that God created us in his image. And this is so important because, first of all, it says that we have inherent worth as humans, that um, although the image of God in us has been marred and distorted by our sin, that nonetheless it is there. Therefore, we have inherent worth as a creature made in God's image. We're the only creature made in God's image. The donkeys and the monkeys aren't made in God's image, but we are. And that we are also made for relationship with him. That that is the reason we exist, is to have relationship with God. And even more than that, under that relationship, because he is God, to worship him, to glorify him, to give our very lives for his service and his adoration, right? That is why God created us, is to worship him alone. It goes all throughout the Bible. He tells the Israelites, what's the first commandment? Don't have any other God before me. I am the only God. Worship me alone. So we see from the beginning pages of Genesis that in this creation, God created man in his image. Everything was good in a perfect union, and we were made to have a relationship with him by giving our very lives to glorify him. So what does that have to do with your mental suffering, your depression, anxiety, even your your grief in general? Well, let's get to the second C, and that's what I'm going to call the curse. We see in Genesis 3 that something has gone wrong. Every culture, I'll say every person will say that there is something inherently wrong with the world, right? It's why we try to fix things through every means necessary. There's psychology, there's politics, there's economics, there's sociology. There's everything. Everyone's got a solution to the problem. But the Bible diagnoses this inherent problem as sin. And we read in Genesis 3 that the first couple, man and woman, Adam and Eve, they rebelled against their God-given function to worship him alone. They went against God's commands, wanting to be like God themselves as Satan tempted them. And they partook of the fruit, which people wonder, what is such a big deal about that? The big deal is that they wanted to be like God. They wanted to take control of their own lives instead of submitting and worshiping to the one true God. 
And we read in Genesis 3 how God curses the creation because of this. And Romans 5 details this more by saying that death spread to all men because all sinned, that through Adam we have all inherited this sin. And we don't know specifically how that happens. I don't think the Bible answers that specifically. Like, is it in our DNA? Is it, you know, just because we learn it? But the Bible is clear is that we are all partakers of Adam's first sin somehow, and that we rebel against God and we seek to worship other gods. And this is true, that the curse of sin has affected all of creation. It says in Genesis 3 that the ground is cursed, and so there's thorns and thistles. So all of creation is cursed, everything with it. This has massive implications for us, has massive implications for our sufferings. We see that the ultimate cause of suffering is because of sin. That not necessarily that if you sin, that's the whole reason you suffer, but because of the first sin, because of the fall, that suffering has entered into the world. So everything we see from mental disability to physical disability to cancer to murder, everything falls under the consequences of sin. The effects that sin has had on the creation are tantamount. We see this. We know it. The whole world, as Romans says, is groaning for redemption. It's longing for it to be made new. We all know something is wrong. But if we're honest, we also know that something is wrong within ourselves. Right? I think about this. What is the real end of depression? Like, what is the real thing I want in depression? Well, it's I want to be satisfied. I want to find purpose and meaning. Sometimes even I want to find that in other people. I know inwardly and inherently that this world is not enough for me when I go through depression. What about anxiety? We think about what anxiety is. It's an insecurity and a worry and a restlessness of something that's happening, whether in your life or something in the future or even something in the past that's causing you anxiety, that it will happen again. It's an insecurity because of the fallenness of this world. Everything can be viewed through sin's effects on the world. And this is what theologians call total depravity, is that sin has affected and infiltrated and distorted every facet of our being. That not only is it just because I act wrongly that I'm a sinner, but it's know that to the very core of my being, my inclinations are bent towards godlessness, towards rebellion, towards finding life in water and different things. Jeremiah says that the people have built broken cisterns that can't hold water. (laughs) I just think that that is so true. We build these cisterns and they break and water starts to spill out. But yeah, we keep filling them thinking that the things of this world, the things of this life are going to fulfill our deepest need to be reconciled to God. And so mental suffering as a consequence of the fall. Now, I'm not going to get into all the reasons why we develop depression or anxiety in this life. I don't think anybody can answer that right now. But I think the biblical answer comes down to sin. It comes down to because of Adam's fall that we have all entered into this broken and fallen world. And that I do believe that sometimes depression is caused by continued sin and unrepentant sin. I think it's also caused by seeking things in the world that will fulfill you, that let you down, whether it's people, other things. Also, I think it's caused by biology. (laughs) The, the, The biology of my mind Sometimes just doesn't work. That just as we develop sickness and colds and as cancer develops, 
sometimes our brains in a fallen world just aren't working properly. So I don't think that from a Christian perspective, you can say that depression is just caused by a lack of faith or not believing enough. I think that falls more along the lines of a prosperity gospel, that if you just have more faith, if you believe and speak this into existence, that all your problems are going to go away. That's a very cheap view of suffering. Rather, it's that the first sin has caused such brokenness in the world that it has affected every facet of our being. So what does God do about it? What do we do about it? Well, the Bible says that we can do nothing about it, that every attempt that we try is vain. In fact, all of Israel's history in the Bible shows that. They start chasing after other idols and gods. And so God initiates salvation. God initiates redemption. And this is where we get to the cross, the third C. I say the cross because I believe that the coming of Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of all promises in Scripture. When we look at the life of Christ, he says that the kingdom of God has come, that God's presence can now be made known to all people, and that in him is the work of redemption and reconciliation. You look at the cross, and what does it do? God becomes man, right? Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, becomes a man, takes on full humanity, full humanity. Now, He doesn't take on fallen humanity in the sense that he is a sinner like us, right? That he's perfect. He takes on humanity sharing in our likeness, as Hebrews 3 says, becoming like us in every way. He became a man in a fallen world, although he did not sin, which is amazing. It's how beautiful he is as as our Savior. He, He never sinned. He lived a life perfectly. This does not mean he was immune to the effects of living in a fallen world, though. Right? He was hungry. He was thirsty. He experienced pain, betrayal, death. He died on a cross. But not only that, he experienced what we deserve for our sin, the eternal separation from God. He experienced that on the cross. So our God, and this is the good news of the gospel, is not a God who is immune to our human experience, that Jesus has felt and seen it all. But not only that, he didn't just do that to do it. He did it to redeem us. And this is the amazing news of the gospel, is that through Christ giving his life, his perfect life, he has traded his life for ours. And so we participate in his death as we die to our sin, but we also participate in his resurrection as we rise to new life. Now, I think this primarily has to do with our standing before God, that because of the first sin, we are separated from God under condemnation of our own actions and the law. But through Christ's righteousness and perfection, we now have justification and life before God the Father, that we are seen as holy and righteous in His sight because of Christ alone. Now, as I mentioned earlier, a lot of people think that just because God saves you that That means you're free from suffering and heartache in this world, but that's just not true. Jesus says that in this world you will have trouble because we live in a fallen and sinful world. He's specifically talking about persecution there, but we know in the rest of the New Testament that God's people, although they have believed in Christ, suffer. They suffer many things. So this is the great paradox of the Christian faith is that we are made right before God, that There is nothing right now that can separate you from being in Christ. 
because God has set his seal of approval, his Holy Spirit upon you, there's nothing that can separate you. You are his child. You are his son, his daughter, adopted into his family, and there's nothing that can break that. Yet it doesn't diminish what you go through. In fact, I'll say there's times in my life where I have felt that I don't have enough faith because of my depression or my anxiety, that I'm not believing in God, in his promises and his provision for my life. And I feel like, God, how could you ever accept me or bring me into your kingdom? And this is where the cross bears on suffering and really depression and anxiety is that even though you face those things, if you are in Christ, there's nothing that can separate you from him. And this is good news is that it doesn't depend upon my ability to maintain a good mood or even to avoid suffering in this life. No, Jesus came to redeem me and now I'm in a right relationship with God forever. So that right now, even though I walk through these valleys, even though we walk through suffering, that he's with us. And this is the Christian hope is that God has brought us back into himself despite what we feel and what we go through. But then again, the news gets even better, and the biblical story does not end there. And this is it's just amazing that God's word says that one day Christ is coming again. And yes, when he comes, he's going to judge the world. He's going to judge everyone, and everyone has to stand before him and give an account of their deeds. But he's also coming to gather his people, that if you are in Christ, he's coming for you. He, he has prepared a place for you, and he's coming again. And I love this picture in Revelation 21 when God's word says that Jesus brings us the new heaven and the new earth. He is coming to redeem all things. He says, behold, I'm making all things new. That every suffering, every pain, every brokenness in this world, I'm going to redeem it. That first sin that began and caused all of this, I'm going to come and redo and renew all the effects of that sin. Not only that, but I'm going to bring you back eternally into this kingdom where God's word says there is no more pain, there's no more sorrow, there's no more tears, there's no more death, that God himself will be our light, that we won't need a son anymore because God himself will be our light. There will be a river of joy that proceeds forth from his presence. This is the Christian hope, is that Jesus is coming to make all things new. Many people think heaven will just be some mystical place where they are with God. They don't know what they'll be doing. There's lots of singing, but the Bible's very clear. He's coming to renew the heavens and the earth. He is making a new heavens and a new earth, that he will give us new bodies, as Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 15, that we will have resurrection bodies. The stains of sin on our bodies right now, we will no longer have. We will be completely new, redeemed, transformed glorified in his presence. So what does that have to do with your suffering right now? I realize that all of this might be preachy, um, but it is. I think that this worldview has to be the hope that you hold on to in your suffering, that when you go through the darkest seasons of life, it's so important to remember that when you're grieving, that you're living in a fallen world, that when relationships are hard, when stress comes upon you in this world, that this is the effects of living in a fallen world. And that doesn't mean we can do whatever we want and despair and have self-pity or even do things that result in suffering. 
but it means that there is hope because Christ has come to redeem all things, that we are in a waiting period as we await for Christ's coming. But moreover, it means that Christ is with you right now. That when you realize that sin has wrecked all of the world that God originally made as good, but yet he has initiated a divine redemption mission to reconcile all things, including you, to himself, that one day he's coming again to finally inaugurate this kingdom on heaven and earth. This is great hope for your suffering. It means that no suffering is pointless. And I know it feels that way, and I know it in your mind you're questioning, but why, God? Why? Like Job, we wonder why God is doing this, and we want a court case with God to lay out our case and say, God, why are you doing this? But the biblical hope is that God is doing something with our suffering and that Jesus has felt suffering and that he's coming again one day to renew and make right everything wrong in the world. So while I don't think that this fixes your suffering, I really don't think anything can in the moment. Grief is real and you need to grieve that. Depression is real. Anxiety is real. Now, I don't think that means you shouldn't be proactive in preaching the gospel to yourself and getting into the word and prayer and crying out and lamenting. I do think that this biblical worldview should be how we view our suffering, that apart from it, we don't have hope, that if there is no final return of Christ to eliminate suffering and death once for all, then it has no purpose. It has no meaning. It is just the product of living in a world that is broken. And you can't even put words on what that brokenness is apart from sin. So the biblical worldview offers robust faith, hope, and I would say just helps you comprehend your suffering in a way that no other worldview can. And this is why it's so important to cling to that in your times of suffering. So you pray, God, I know that my body is broken. I know that this shouldn't have happened because we live in a sinful world. I know that even sometimes my own actions and my own desires lead to my longing and my sin in rejecting you. But God, I know that you have come to redeem me. I know that I have a right standing before you right now through Christ and that one day he's coming again to make all things new. And in that, I have hope because it has proven your great love and faithfulness towards me. So the four C's of a biblical worldview of suffering, creation, curse, cross, coming. Let that be the lens through which you view your suffering, your depression, your anxiety. And as we hope together in Christ for his coming, his great coming, where all things will be made new, let's walk through these valleys with hope that we have been reconciled to him and that he is with us wherever we go. Hey, if you like this podcast, I would really appreciate uh, you leaving a review, a rating, or even sharing and commenting below what you would like to hear from this podcast as we develop. I would love to know what you as the audience uh, are wanting to hear from a Christian perspective on mental illness, suffering, as we walk through the valleys together. For December, I want to really celebrate the Christmas season by talking about why Jesus' incarnation gives us hope, his birth, his life, everything he's done for us. So that's what we're going to go through in the Christmas season. 
trying to put out episodes every Thursday. But if it's a little inconsistent, just give me some grace with that. But that's the plan is uh, every Thursday trying to put out an episode. So with that, I'll leave it until next time.